much that we have the, the privilege, the, the grace in our life to be able to lay down these things, the freedom. And Lord, it's almost more than we can believe that we could actually not have these burdens with us any longer, these addictions, these pains, these dark clouds in our life. But actually, you have the power, Lord. You have the power to, to free us from these things so that you become the dominant, dominant voice in our life. You become the dominant presence that we can't, that we, we grow to the place, Lord, where we can't do anything but take our eyes off of you. We can't take our eyes off of you. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that in this time we would hear your voice, that we would sense your presence in our life, and that we would grow more into your likeness. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Please have a seat. How are you guys doing today? You okay? Good, good. I'm, I'm pretty good. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's not fair. I always ask you guys, how are you doing? It's always better the second time. Have you ever noticed that? Every time I ask you the second time, you're doing way better than one minute earlier. Watch. How are you guys doing? Yeah. See, isn't that crazy? It's the weirdest thing. You guys, emotional roller coaster, seriously. Um, so when you, when you heard that song about the tidal wave crashing in and the hurricane around you about God's love, did, how many of you thought of the beach? Anybody else think of the ocean when you were doing I was thinking of that. Uh, and uh, actually, it, I was thinking about how, how it might be to float like far out from the beach. Do you know what I mean? Like, like to be kind of further than is safe, even though I can swim, but just to be that way out. How many people swim too far, farther out than you probably should? I do it. I, I swim a little bit. Like I, I can still touch the bottom, but in my mind, it's too far. Uh, <laughs> San Simeon, it go, you can go pretty far out and still touch the bottom, but I always feel like a little nervous because it's cold. That's a big reason. Well, actually, uh, we're going to get into it, and we're going to find out how Paul and uh, the Apostle Paul in the Bible was actually in a situation a lot like that. Before we get to that, I'd like to ask you a question. How many of you guys are going to go out of town, and you're going to be guests at someone's house? Anybody going out of town and going to be a guest at someone's house, like a few people? How many people are going to have guests at your house this summer? Anybody? Oh, a lot, a lot more. I think it's harder to be a guest than a host. Years ago, I saw this book about how to be the perfect host, and it had all these descriptions about what it would look like to be a perfect host. And then um, and I thought, what's really neat is a book on how to be the perfect guest, don't you think? And this is a quote that I, I like about being a guest. It's from the Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. The art of being a good guest is knowing when to leave. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. We're going to learn a little bit about how Paul was a guest too uh, and his companions or prisoners, whatever you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> and so today we're going to look at this story of Paul and how he was traveling. Um, actually, so what happened is Paul had been arrested, this follower of Jesus. And he had been arrested for, for preaching about who Jesus was and caring for people and reaching out to them. And when he was arrested, uh, they trumped up some charges against him and they were going to kill him. That was the plan. He was going to be murdered. And so he was in like kind of a backwoods court, you know, like a, not a real court, but like a fake court, you know. And um, so he was worried that he would be executed. So he said, I am a Roman citizen, and I appeal to the emperor for my case. Well, immediately when he did that, uh, the backwoods court couldn't do anything. They didn't know that he was a Roman citizen. They thought he was just Jewish. It shows the racism that existed back then. They were like, okay, well, if it was just a Jewish guy, then that would be fine for us to like, charge him and kill him, right? But now that he's a Roman citizen, we can't do anything. And so what happened is the, the ruler of that region, the magistrate comes in and he finds out that they had had these trumped up charges against Paul. But he says, you know what? I can't let you off. 
because you asked to see Nero, the emperor of Rome. And so now you have to go because it's like kind of the deal. And so what happens is Paul gets carted off with all of these other prisoners, hundreds of prisoners and hundreds of guards, and they all get on, put on this grain ship on the way to Rome. And by the way, they leave on this grain ship during October, in the middle of October. By the way, there's no worse time to be sailing on the seas anywhere north of the equator than October. Do you know why? Her, it, what? Storms, right? Hurricanes. All, always in October, you see, that's the big hurricane season. Um, and so then in the Mediterranean, they have this thing called the Northeaster, and it's this terrible winds that cause tremendous storms. And actually, the Mediterranean Sea has more shipwrecks in it than anywhere else in the entire world. In World War II, the, the entire Italian Navy was sunk, not, by, not because of any firepower, but because of the storms that took place in that region. And do you remember the Syrian refugees who were trying to cross the Mediterranean in modern boats, some of them in modern boats? They, many of them died just a couple of years ago because they were just trying to get across to Greece. Well, Paul's not trying to get to Greece. He's trying to get a little further on his boat in October, and he's traveling to Rome. And so they start out on this voyage, and the weather is the worst weather anyone's ever seen, and they start going a little further, and Paul says, I think it's a good idea for us to just chill out for a while. Let's just stay at this little island. No, 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 we got to keep going. And so they, they're in the storm for four weeks, four weeks, days and days and days that they have not, I mean, like two, it says in the Bible that there were two whole days where they didn't see the sun. It was so much, so many storm clouds around them. And then it says that they got charted way off course, and they all thought they were going to die, every single one of them. And Paul was praying, and he heard God's voice in his life, and he clearly heard God say, you're all going to be okay, because you are supposed to meet with the emperor Nero. That's going to happen in your life. Well, Paul goes out, and he tells all of the people on the ship that they're going to be okay, and they believe him. They're like, they're, they're 100%. They start to believe him. And so they start to listen to Paul. Paul becomes kind of like the captain of the ship. At one point, they're running out of food because they, oh, no, actually, at one point, they're about to crash. Not because they can, they believe they're going to crash, but because Paul tells them, hey, we're going to crash, guys. And so he has them all eat, eat all of the bread that they can get. And then they dump all the grain off of the ship so that the ship is lighter, so that it can get in closer to a shore if they find one. And then they see the shore. And they try to land the ship, but it gets stuck in a sandbar. And the waves are destroying the ship. The mast gets broken. They've done everything they can to try to keep the ship together, but it's clear that the ship is going down. And one of the guards or some of the guards come up with the idea that they should kill all the prisoners on board. And because if one of them escapes, then those guards are going to be executed. Remember, we learned that last week. So they wanted to make sure that they didn't get executed. So they, were, they had this idea of killing all the prisoners. Can you imagine how barbaric and dark things were that they would do such a thing? And then uh, one of the centurions, uh, he said, you know what? I actually think that uh, I really like this guy named Paul. So let's save them all just to keep Paul. And then they decide that they're going to jump ship and half of them don't know how to swim and half of them do. And so they all jump ship and they start making their way in the middle of this storm toward the beach. And the amazing thing is, is every single one of them make it to the shore. Not one of them dies. Un incredible. And so this is the story of what happens once they arrive on the shore of this strange land. Now, by the way, before we get into it, there's a description of the people that they encounter there. And the word that, the, that, that is used in Greek is the word barbarian. Now, the reason why they use this term barbarian is because, because to people who spoke Greek or people who spoke Latin, 
right? Those are the two lengths. Imagine you only know those two languages. Everybody else sounded like they were saying the words bar, 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 right? So, so they, they referred to these people as barbarians, not because they lived in caves and they were like, you know, like they, they, anyway, I was thinking of like uh, an old traumatizing movie I saw when I was a junior higher. What's that called? Not Blazing Saddles, the other one. Was that the one? Come on, don't tell me your mind isn't wandering different places. I know someone's working on a shopping list out there. <laughs> confess, confess. I know it's one of you. Who is it? Let's pray for you. <sighs> you want to read the scripture? You guys into it? Yeah. Want to hear it? All right, let's hear what happens. Lord, help us. <laughs> Ready? This is what scripture says. It says, after we had reached safety, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The natives, that's the word barbarian, showed us unusual kindness. Now, I love the word unusual kindness because it sounds so much like the series that we're doing right now called Uncommon Fellowship, right? I mean, this Uncommon Fellowship is something where people share with each other. They're not looking at each other and they're really united. They're like a big family. They take care of each other's needs. But then you see that these natives, these people, these, these barbarians from this island that don't speak a language that they understand, they've never seen this culture, these people before, they're demonstrating unusual kindness. And then the word unusual kindness, I like from the Greek, is the word philanthropia, which we know what that it means. It's philanthropy, right? Philanthropy is when you care for someone, a human being, because they're a human. You just genuinely care for another person because they're a human being and you have that sense of caring for other human beings. I love that that's coming out of these people, this foreign people. And then it says, it goes further and says, since it had begun to rain, they had, remember they had just come out of the water. They'd been swimming like we were talking about in the ocean. They thought they were all going to drown. They get to the beach, they're freezing. And it says it was raining and it was cold. And it says that the natives, they kindled a fire and they welcomed all of us around it. There's such a beautiful thing when you can give someone something so simple and it can change their entire life. It's just like a little bit of a fire, like, like building a fire, you can change someone's life completely. You can, you can save them, actually. And then it says, Paul, now, by the way, have you, how many of you have heard that uh, book co- called Alexander's No Good, Very Bad Day? Do you know that book? How many saw the movie? How many liked the movie? I'm, the last service really liked it, so maybe not, huh? Um, this is Paul's no good, very bad day. Because not only has his ship been stranded and destroyed, Paul goes to gather. He's going to help out with the natives building this fire. Tells us a lot about Paul's character. He helps other people. He pitches in. He's a good guest. Paul had gathered a bunch of brushwood and was putting it on the fire when a viper drawn out by the heat latches itself onto his hand as if the day couldn't get any worse. So when the natives, the barbarians, saw the creature hanging from his hand, and I love that visual, and it's just like, can you imagine when you get the, oh, great, a viper's hanging on my hand. It says that they said to one another, this man must be a murderer. <laughs> uh, really? Is that, is that how you determine whether someone's a murderer? I, I love their logic, don't you? Like, oh, well, a snake. But, like, can you imagine you're hanging out with friends, someone gets bit on the hand, and be like, that person's a murderer. I'm sure of it. Got bit in the hand. Game over doesn't make any sense. So what I like here is we're getting this image of these people who have so much right in their life. They really care for other human beings the way Jesus Christ would call us to care for people. But at the same time, their theology is way off. They think if you get bit in the hand, you must be a murderer. You know why? Because they think that if you did something bad, something bad's going to happen to you. 
Listen to what it says next. It says, though he had escaped, this is them talking, though he had escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. That word justice should be capitalized because that was the name of their God. They were saying that, that their God, justice, who is this God that is of retribution, if you do bad things, then bad things are going to happen to you. Well, that's not, the God of the, that's not the God of Abraham. That's not the God that we worship. That's not the God the Bible talks about. The God the Bible talks about is one God loves us even though we do bad things lavishes us with grace even when we totally screw up. And look at Paul. He is a murderer, by the way. And yet, wait till you see what happens. God just blesses him and blesses him and blesses him. You know, the, I, I love that song about the hurricane of love, about this tidal wave of love, and about the fierceness of God's love. Because actually, there's no, no more powerful force in this world than the love of God. And it can, it can humble the greatest person. You want to really see someone weep and cry? Just keep loving them. Just keep on blessing them and blessing them, even especially when they're really, really not the kind of person that should be blessed. The Bible refers to it as heaping burning coals on, sop, on top of someone's head. It will make you crumble by just pouring out love onto a human being. It's so powerful. This is what, this is what, um, this is what the scripture goes on to say. He says, Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Let's talk about lay it all down. Let's just shake it off. Take that thing. Just let, let me see your hands. Just do a little shaking off. Paul, sh- Paul shook it off. He just took that. He's like, you know what? Viper, whatever. Right in the fire. That's how he rolled. He wasn't phased. Paul wasn't phased by landing on a beach with no possessions. He had nothing in his whole entire life. He had nothing, no clothes, no food, nothing. Totally helpless. And yet, he's not phased. Why? Because Paul knew that God had a purpose for his life. Do you remember how certain he was when he came up to all those people on the boat and he said, hey guys, we're going to be okay because I'm going to have a meeting with the president of the United States. You know, it's like, really? I'm going to be having a meeting with the king. It sounds like the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. But Paul had this deep sense that he had a purpose in his life. If you're in a storm in your life, if you're in a dark place in your life and you're not sure you can make it through, but then you remember that God has a purpose for you, that there is a reason that you're here and that God is gonna carry you through, you will not be faced. You will be the kind of person that gets a viper biting you on the hand and you're just gonna fling it into the fire. Then listen to what happens. It says they were expecting him, oh, go back one a little bit. They were expecting him to swell up or drop dead. I like how they're just watching him. But after they had waited a long time and saw that nothing unusual had happened to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. <laughs> what is going on with these people? They are, they have, it's like they have everything right, but so much wrong. <laughs> That's kind of like us, right? We've learned that over time, that we are the kind of people that, that we don't have it all right, that we are growing in our, we're growing more perfect, but we're all imperfect. No perfect people allowed, right? That's our motto around here. Well, listen to what happened next. Now, in the neighborhood, now it wasn't like a neighborhood like ours. It was, you know, but it was pretty civilized. It was a packed island. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to a leading man of the island. I love that title, the leading man of the island. Wouldn't that be a cool name, like a title to have? Sounds like a dancer or something. The leading man of the island named Publius, which is, by the way, a great name for a child if you're ever going to name one. Publius. Publius. You have an invitation from Publius. So it, um, 
So who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days? Not, now, they didn't entertain all 276 of them at Publius's house, just like a few of them, for three days. And so it happened that the father of Publius lay sick in bed with fever and dysentery. Now, this was a fever that historians look at and they say, yes, this is a Malta thing, specific to Malta, because they had goat's milk and they didn't know what to do with it. They weren't doing the right thing with it or whatever. You can keep drinking goat's milk now, don't worry. But they would have fevers for three months on end. Can you imagine the pain of that? And so Paul visited him and cured him by praying and putting his hands on him. I love that Paul has nothing in his life. He has no money. He has no possessions. He probably doesn't have that, like, one change of clothes. But he gives what he can. He extends the love he has. He extends the heart. And he, he just pour, he says, I'm going to pray, and I'll, I'll pray for this man. And then Jesus heals him. And it says, after this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They bestowed many, I love how this ends, this scripture. And by the way, they, the, these people were there for three months, these stranded all through the winter. So they, they, they were stranded not November, Novemberish, and they left in February. I know that's not good enough, but uh, <laughs> it gets us close to three months. So they left in February, around February 7th, they think, is when they, they departed from the island. But it says that the islanders bestowed many honors on us, and when we were about to sail, they put on board all of the provisions we needed. I love this quote. If you can shine up this next quote. Let's just take this in. You possess only whatever will not be lost in a shipwreck. That's really all you have. All the rest is just stuff. What are those things that you hold on to when you've been in a shipwreck, when you have nothing left in your life? And Paul and, and his companions, his fellow prisoners, the guards, they were helpless. They were utterly helpless and they had nothing, nothing. And then they arrive on this beach and somehow the spirit of God had stirred in the hearts of these natives to welcome them and kindle a fire. Something so simple to change the life of these people. Um, when I was in college, I went to a college in Connecticut, in Hartford. And uh, I would travel on Friday nights to New York with friends, New York, New York City. <coughs> And it took about two-hour bus trip. And then when we got to New York City, we would stay there and not, I mean, we didn't need a hotel because we had legs and we were young and we were in college. So we would walk around and have fun and explore the city, just check out the lights, you know, that kind of stuff, all night long until like two or three o'clock in the morning. And then um, we would ride the bus back. Well, this night, um, like, how many people have been to New York, by the way? I just want to know. Oh, a lot. How many people like New York? Yes, this is my New York crowd. I've been trying to figure you guys out for five months. Woo! All right, so um, at the end of a New York night, the thing that I always do, and I know it's so goofy, is I end up singing a song while going down the street with my friends. Do you know what song I'm about to tell you about? Okay, it starts like this. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. There you go. There you go. That's it. Okay, so that, I, I, feel, I feel really bad for the people who live in New York who hear that every Friday night. They're like, not another college student going down the street. So we had just finished with that. That's where we were. This high, I high-fived my friends, and they went off to their house. They actually lived in New York, so they were kind of like intermediary. I, and I had to ride the bus back to Hartford, Connecticut, to back to 
sorry, back to college. And as, as, I was, as I was getting to the bus station, I reached into my pocket for that $20 that I always kept back there just for my bus ticket. And guess what? It's totally gone. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. And how many people have been at the bus station in New York City? It's not cool at 2 o'clock in the morning when you have no money. And this is BC, before cell phones. This was dangerous. You know how hard it is to get a quarter in New York City? Hard. Difficult, scary, vulnerable, helpless, knowing that I don't have any, any, anything. And um, I think my parents were on vacation, so I couldn't even collect call them to wire them or anything. It was just stranded. And I, 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 was, I remember having my head, I was sitting on the gutter and I had the, outside the line for the bus station, and I was just, just thinking and feeling lost. And then I looked up and I saw this line of strangers getting on the bus to Hartford, Connecticut. And, um, and I walked up to this kid who looked like a preppy kid from a college. So I walked up to him and I said, you know, I know you don't know me, but I, I'm, I'm lost. I actually don't have enough money to get this bus ticket back to my college in, in Hartford. Um, could, could I borrow $20? And he's like, borrow? He said, you can have it. You just pay, you just bless the next person down the road. And, he's, and so he gave me the 20 bucks. And the, even I, um, on, as he was leaving, I was like, oh, get, a, get the money back to you. He was like, you're crazy. Just, just bless the next person you meet. It's so powerful when you can meet someone in their time of need, when, when just the littlest thing can transform their entire reality. And I love that they, 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 as much as Paul and those people arriving on that shore were in their time of need, actually you can sense that they were there to minister to and to bless the people on the island but not like a quid pro quo, like yin-yang thing, which is what the islanders seem to believe, that if you did something bad, then something bad was going to happen to you. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. Grace, grace, grace. You just keep getting loved by God, even though you do bad things. Let it sink in. No matter how bad you are, no matter what you've done this week, God just wants to pour out grace and love in your life. I love that Paul goes on and he heals these guys and, and he ends up taking, t- taking time, spending time with these people on the island. And the scripture gives this beautiful image at the end of scripture. And I'll show you this. I've been bouncing around this last slide, so there's no chance that he's going to choose the right one. But let's see. Uh, anyway, there's this. Nope, you chose the wrong one again. It's okay. I told you. I, we, you and me, we're, we're, we're like this. We get, we get each other. So at the very end of this scripture, this image of uncommon fellowship. They bestowed many honors us, on us, and when we were about to sail, they put on board all the provisions that we needed. This is like a mom sending their kid off to college. Look at this incredible visual. It's like you pack the bags. You make sure that they have more than enough. These are people that they're never going to see again in their entire life, yet they're just going to bestow blessing upon these people, these people from the island. You know, uh, months after I had received the gift of that bus ticket, uh, I was in line at a grocery store in Hartford, Connecticut, and there was a mom, and she had three little kids. It was late at night, and she was checking out, and, uh, and it was clear that she was taking a little longer because she didn't have the food stamps that she needed, and so they had to take some of the hot dogs and the beans and the buns and put them to the side. And immediately, like, like my right hand didn't know what my left hand was doing, I just reached in with my pocket, and I just pulled out the, t- the 20 bucks, and it was just like a it was just, and I walked up to her silently so her kids wouldn't see it, you know? 
I was just like, could you, could you just use the, can I just pay for this stuff? Actually, you know what I did is, I remember what I did. Um, I waited till she'd purchased it, and then I asked the cashier just to ring that stuff up and put it in her bags. And it wasn't like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm going to help this lady. I know that it is now. Like, I get the hypocrisy of this whole thing. I do, I do get it. Like, for years, I wouldn't tell anybody. I was like, I can't tell anyone. It'll ruin it. But it's good news. You have to share the good news. Just the littlest piece at the right time can mean the world to somebody. It's really, really true. I think about Paul. Um, I think about when he was on that boat, and he was... Uh, they all thought they were going to die. He must have remembered the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples when Jesus was asleep in that boat. And the disciples woke him up and said, we're all going to die. And this is the scripture. Now you got the right one. Uh, this is the scripture. This is the story. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He woke up and he rebuked the wind and, the, and said to the sea, peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. Wow. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? We worship the God that has power over the oceans and the, and the giant storms of the hurricanes, the northeasters. Paul would have remembered that. Faith. I think also when Paul and his fellow travelers or prisoners were stranded on that beach and they had nothing, and then this foreign culture, this group of people who sounded like they were just saying, bar, 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 came up to him. It's like a South Park thing, isn't it? It sounds like something they would do. Anyway, they, they come up to him and they, they, they bless them. He must have thought about the Good Samaritan story that Jesus taught. Do you remember that story about the Good Samaritan where, where there was this Jewish guy who had been beaten and bloodied, on, left on the side of the road by a, by a robber to die? And all the people who followed God and who were faithful to God's word and who read the Bible all the time, all those people said, I don't want to really have anything to do with that. It's too messy for my life. And then this person, the Samaritan, who was a barbarian, who spoke bar, 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 this person comes into this guy's life, picks him up, takes him to a hotel, and pays his whole entire bill, and, and then some. And Jesus says, which one of these people do you think is the person that embodies most the Spirit of God? Which one? Bar, bar, bar. Thank you. And then I think Jesus, I think, sorry, I think Paul would have also reflected when they had no food, no clothes, they had no possessions, he would have remembered Jesus saying, you know, don't worry. Don't worry. Look at the lilies of the field. They're so beautiful. God takes care of all of them. Look at the birds of the air. They have no food stored up for tomorrow, yet God takes care of every little bird in the world. How much more will God take care of you, one of his children whom he loves so much? I think Paul was built up with that. And I think that the church was, was transformed because they had this new understanding of uncommon fellowship, that our common, uncommon fellowship does not list, limit itself to the church. It does not limit itself to our, our city or our area or a geographic region. Our uncommon fellowship, our friendship, our family, actually is something where we look at another human being, no matter what their background, and we say to them, I love you. Actually, when I gave that money, and, or actually paid for that, those groceries, you know what I said to that lady? I said, God loves you. People always criticize Paul for not giving some big speech when they thought, hey, he's a, he's a God, he's a murderer. These people were confused. So Paul walked alongside them and he loved them and he cared for them. And I'm sure Paul said as clearly as he could in that strange, strange tongue, God loves you. At our flag football camp this last week, we had 115 kids. 
A lot of people were like, did you give them a quiz? Did they have books to take home? How did they learn about Jesus? Well, they had all these amazing coaches who were, who were caring for them and smiles. And, and we just made sure that all they knew, the only thing that we really, really wanted to make sure that every kid knew was that God loves them. Because we knew that that's a powerful seed that will transform everything in their life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that we've had it, this experience of your love and this uncommon fellowship. We thank you for this series that helps, has helped us understand this deep river of friendship that we have with you and with one another and this common direction and purpose that, that makes it so we can't be phased. Lord Jesus, we pray that your spirit would... Uh, would continue to expand our understanding of church so that we would, we would extend this uncommon fellowship to every human being, every person, and to, to allow ourselves to receive the love that you have for us in them. And that, uh, that if we ever say goodbye to these people or have to journey away from them, that it would be like a heartbreak, like family members saying goodbye to them. Thank you that the church has, has ever, for all of history, been a group of people who've welcomed in strangers, people who are stranded, who need help. May that ever be a part of our story. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.